Welcome to a hilarious and informative show hosted by Mitch Adams of Wrestle Royalty. The worlds of comic book related media and pro wrestling intersect in various ways. Both tell stories, while everyone involved wears tight, colorful outfits that would make circus performers blush. Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleRoyalty.com and Harley Quinn Memes on Facebook proudly present Storytelling in Spandex. Hello everybody and welcome to Storytelling in Spandex. I'm of course your host Mitch Adams, joined today by my good friends, my good mate, my brother from another mother if you, if you want to call him, ladies and gentlemen, Andre Holly the, the third. I was going pretty good, man. How about yourself? Yeah, it's going great, mate. Uh, I've been wanting to do an episode on this topic for a while now and it seems so topical that um, I figured why not just do it? It's uh, yeah. diversity and representation in both pro wrestling and the comic book media. Me being a very lily white man, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the authority to speak about this. That's why I've asked you to grace us with your presence here and give us your thoughts. And so just start off straight away, mate. What do you, how do you feel about, you know, this change that's, seem, that's seemingly happening right now and not just the world of pro wrestling or even comic book related media, media in general. So, um, yeah, you know, um, when, when, when Biggie won the championship, um, this past Monday or I think the, was this past Monday, the week before the week before he beat Lashley and, you know, m- most of the focus was on, you know, why Biggie won the championship or did they, did they, you know, rush it because AEW or, or, or whatever, but, at no point did anybody, you know, have to stop and say like, oh man, you know, a black man just won a championship, you know, because it's becoming so common now that we don't even have to think about it no more. And that, that's a good place to be in. You, you know what I mean? Where you have, you have two black guys fighting in the main event of, of Raw, you know, and nobody questions it. Nobody, nobody thinks about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's they're, they're not like they're black, but it's, they belong there. You know, they've earned their spots. You know, it, it, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like they were responding to something or that they were trying to meet some kind of quota or anything like that. I feel like this has been this has been about seven years in the making. Um, I want to say right around the time New Day got got started, you know, when they finally started to get over, you, you really started to notice uh, more minorities, um, you know, worked their way up the ladder, you know, in WWE, and um, even with Lashley, you know, winning the championship, you know, it it it, it wasn't so much oh man, you know, a black guy finally won the championship. It's more of Man, Lashley, Lashley deserved that. That's 15 years in the making for him. You know what I mean? Like the Hurt Business, well-received. New Day's been well-received for almost a decade now. Um, you know, Bianca, you know. And it's just, it's just a good thing to see where, you know, where fans don't have to really, you know, think about, oh, man, when, when are we going to get an opportunity? When, when, is, when is a black – when are we going to get representation? You know, it's just it, – it's become, it's become the norm now. Like it's, it's not really – I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal, if you know what I mean. Mm. And how do you feel about, you know, more representation and more, um, you know, black characters or people, characters of colour in the world of comic books, uh, in comic books, TV and comic book movies, that kind of thing? Oh, I think I think it's great. Um, and this actually started well before uh, Black Panther. If you want to go back, um, the Blade movies, actually, which yeah. people don't really think about, they saved the Marvel franchise, actually. Absolutely. You know, um, 
little little did we know um i had no idea that blade was part of marvel back in the day um my first exposure to blade was the movies you know back in the late 90s um and even as a kid i noticed that most of the blade fans are actually white you know and so i don't i don't think there was ever you know a time where when when blade came out where people were just like oh i don't i'm not i don't think we're ready for a black superhero or you know or if you want to call Blade a superhero, um, it was just a cool movie, you know, and Wesley Snipes, you know, really good actor. He pulled it off, you know, really well. And, um, you know, people love the movies, you know, and then, you know, of course, you know, Marvel kicks off, you know, seven, eight years later. And then we finally get to a point where Black Panther's introduced. Um, and even prior to that, I think, you know, it was Luke Cage that was on Netflix was this really, really well received. Um, and you have the movie now um, that's out. I forgot the name of the movie. I haven't seen it yet. The, um, Help me out with that one. What's the name of that movie that just that just came out? Shang Chi. Yeah, yeah. And so now you're even starting to see, you know, Asian representation. And so I feel like um, it's been a long time coming. Like I said, it started with Blade and it's kind of slowly built up. And then you know, Black Panther was was so well, the you know, until the Avengers you know came out. Um, you know, it's just it's just a good thing to see, you know. Um, and hopefully, hopefully the you know the new Captain America movie, the Captain America movies are, are well received as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's that's going to be cool as well. Uh, you talked about now most of the uh, Blade fans being white. I think that has to do with the fact that vampire genre that fandom is generally white as well. Because when you think yeah. of vampires, you think very pale white people, which is yeah, part of the, yeah, which is part true. of the mistake. Which is part of the mistake of it. So, but you know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And you know, there's and there's and I think since since then you've actually seen in the vampire genre as well. Since Blade, you've seen uh, more you know vamp, vampire vampire characters who are people of color. So, you know, yeah, one of my favorite shows is um what we do in the shadows, which is obviously based on the New Zealand film, and uh, most of the vampires there are of Middle Eastern descent, which is which is fun to say. So interesting. Mm. It's it, it's it's a good show. It's quite funny. I I recommend you. I recommend you check it out. And, you know, you're right. This has been happening even in the world of comics, especially Marvel comics, because Stan Lee always had his finger on the pulse of, you know, social events, had his fingers on the pulse of the zeitgeist. In the 60s, Marvel was right in there with the counterculture. And, you know, I think one the best example I'll give of that is the X-Men comics. The X-Men comics were based primarily on what was going on in the culture in America and the whole world with, you know, you know, civil rights movements and, you know, uh, the Black Panther movement and that kind of thing. I mean, the, the character Magneto yeah. was based on Malcolm X, who you have a very nice poster of in your background. Yeah, correct. So, I think right. It's... And then Professor X, yeah, I remember that. And Professor X is more Martin Luther King. I remember that. Exactly. That, that's, what, that's what Stanley had in mind when he, when he, when he wrote, wrote the comics. Well, I think so. I think in the world of... DC did have black characters and people of color characters, but Marvel always seemed very better at presenting them. So, and and sadly, yeah. that, that that that's that's true today. To be honest with you, even though DC has gotten better, I think Marvel still is ahead of them in, in that department. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the only the only thing I think they might have mishandled, um, if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, um, the creator of Spawn, I think at one point he worked for Marvel, and something happened. There was a big falling out. Um, he introduced his character Spawn, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's because the character was black. I think it might have been because he was from Hell, and I don't think Marvel really wanted to go that far with it. Um, yeah, uh, you remember the Spawn franchise, right? I don't remember, I don't remember what label he's under now, but I remember there was a movie that came out in the '90s, but it didn't, it didn't do too well. But uh, Michael J. White portrayed Spawn in the movie, um, 
And um, for some reason, that one never caught on the way Black Panther did or Luke Cage, you know, for some reason. So, yeah, uh, well, the story behind that is uh, the, the, the writer in question is Tobin McFarlane, who ironically is also a white guy. But um, it was Tobin McFarlane and a bunch of other Marvel comic book writers, including uh, the current head of DC Comics, Jim Lee, who all mm-hmm. left Marvel and they founded Image Comics, which okay. the, the people who don't know now published Black Spawn and a bunch of other stuff. But now, today, uh, published the Walking Dead comic book. So, oh, okay. I never knew that. So they're one of the big players now. They're probably... Them and Dark Horse are probably the th- tied the third biggest comic book publisher behind, obviously, the big guys, Marvel and DC. So that's... Okay. That's that story. But, you know, obviously, you know, there seems like there is real progress going on. You mentioned Bobby Lashley. You mentioned Big E. Um you know, obviously the New Day and all kinds of things. And the same thing is happening in the world of no comics. Now, we mentioned how big, massively big Black Panther was and that whole Panther, uh, that's huge. But, you know, it's, it's inspiring more thing. I mean, Zoe Kravitz is the new Catwoman in the next Batman film. That's going to be pretty cool thing to see. I mean, what, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, she seems like perfect for the role, perfectly, you know, so... Yeah, she's gonna pull. She's gonna pull it out very well. She the perfect body type, the perfect voice, and in a lot of ways, she she actually does kind of resemble Eartha Kid a little bit. You know, yeah. if you go back and watch um, the Adam West Batman from the '60s, um, Eartha Kid was the first Catwoman on that show, and you know, there's a, there's a little resemblance there. You know, um, there's that there's that sex appeal, there's that sensualness, Zoe that that Zoe um, you know has that Eartha had back in the day, and I and you know, like I said, she has the body type for it. You know, kind of that kind of the slim, you know, fit, you know, but still nice and shapely, you know. And then of course, you know, the long black hair and it it's it's a good fit. It's a really good fit. Um absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean and, and that, that was it was the perfect choice, I think. If you were gonna go in that direction and go with a black cat woman. Yeah, agree completely. Uh there's also obviously things in Marvel, I mean in the latest black batch of Spider Man movies, Mary Jane Watson's played by Zendaya. So yeah. And I think she's done wonders for the character. There was actually a bit of... When she was first cast, there was backlash to it, but not because for the reasons you think it was, because there's something going on right now. Speaking as a redhead, I don't agree with this, but there's something going on that's like a lot of redheaded characters are being replaced by uh, people of colour. I don't really care, but apparently a lot of gingers really don't like it. <laughs> because I, I suppose in a way we're not there's not a lot of redheaded characters anymore but i i don't really i wouldn't really classify us as a minority i think that might be a stretch for crying out loud oh dear you know what that's a good question i've never really thought of, i've never really thought about that there really aren't a lot of redheaded superheroes anymore uh back the original batgirl is but uh that's being played by a latino actress now so really yeah no uh, that's wow that's, it's been announced a while back that they're doing a, a Batgirl TV movie for HBO Max. So, okay, yeah, and so well, I mean, I don't know. What what can I say? I mean, and, and they reckon they want to cast uh, Rihanna as Poison Ivy at some point, which which I think is be, be pretty cool as well. But you know, it, it, it does seem to become a pattern. Not that I care, but it does seem to be a pattern going on with redheaded characters being replaced by uh, being cast by people of color. So. So I'm not quite. I'm gonna have to look into that because I've I've never really thought about that until you said something. That's a very interesting take. Uh, never a good observation. Yeah, like I said, like I said, I don't care, but it's it's, it's just it's just it's just curious to me. It's like... 
who knows. Uh, and this one, I think you'll be very excited about. Uh, they're going to cast... There is an alternative version of Superman in one of the many infinite Earths in the, in the DC universe called uh, Calvin Harris, who actually, believe it or not, was modelled off Barack Obama when he was created. And he is... Oh, really? Yeah, he's... Uh, that, yeah, that planet's Kal-El, and he is a black Superman. So... And they're going to make a movie about that. And, then, and the rumour is Michael B. Jordan will star. So... Yeah, hopefully he does better in this than he did in um, um, Fantastic Four because no, do no do no fault of his own. It, nobody's gotten the Fantastic Four movies right yet. No, I, I think I think the ones with Jessica Alba were okay. They were very very cheesy, but passable. Right. But yeah, right. And then the the the, the, the second yeah the, the new one didn't do well at all. And that actually, I was going to talk about. Um, a few other things first, but since you br- brought up Fantastic Four, I wanted to talk about some ideas that, um, you know, felt like tokenism, you know, the, the mm-hmm. ideas of you know, trying to push representation and, and, and diversity in a way that just, you knew that they didn't really mean it. And it just, right. it just, it was just, it was just, a, it was just either they were playing a card to try and make money or, you know, whatever. Obviously, you know, with the Fantastic Four with Michael B. Jordan, I think that was kind of obvious. Um, I, you know, they made it a interracial family with her, his sister being white or something. So, I, I, you know, I, I... Yeah. Which I understand. To, I know Michael B. Jordan, you know, was quite passionate about that because he himself comes from an interracial family and he feels like that not enough in that media. I agree. But the right. way they presented it, and it was pretty obvious from the start, it was just a very tokenistic casting choice and gesture so yeah it was i i i I agree with that and you know going in the pro wrestling world of things the biggest the biggest piece of tokenism you'll ever see there was jinder mahal that his main event push that was the biggest piece of tokenism in the history of pro wrestling from the start everyone knew that was just because wwe had an upcoming tour of india that they wanted to sell and in the end, it didn't work because they wound up having to cancel about three of the shows that they had booked because they didn't sell enough tickets. So, yeah, and the, you know the problem with gender. It, maybe if they'd actually, if they had actually started maybe like six, seven months prior to putting the title on them, had actually kind of slowly progressed them up the card, it might have been more believable. Because <clears throat> believe it or not, it actually worked with the great Kali as as slow and immobile as he was. It, it worked for him because out the gate. He was presented as this monster. He took out the Undertaker. He he almost killed Rey Mysterio. He pretty much almost killed John Cena. Had the feud with Batista. You know he feuded with Triple H. Feuded with all the top names. So you know when they put the belt on him, it was it was actually believable. And when are you ever going to see a guy seven foot four that weighs four hundred fifty pounds? You just don't see that every day. With Gender, during his first one, he was with the, the three man band. He was a jobber. Coming back, he was presented as a jobber until he won that 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 um, number one contenders match, and then, you know, then he gets dressed into the title match with Orton. And you know, to WWE's credit, they actually he was actually over in Chicago. I don't know what that was about, but that was kind of funny. He was getting less gender chance, but that was pretty much the end of that for him. Um, I, after I that, think, he, he what do you say? I think with <laughs> what was happening in Chicago, I think. I think the fans knew what was going on. I think they were actually trolling WWE a bit. Like, like they were just so 
over the product at the time and they were just, you know, thinking, okay, we're just going to poke fun at them now. So they, they might've, but I mean, when, you know, when you won, they actually did pop for them, but there was, like I said, they just, they, they tried to bring Ray Khali back, you know, to kind of help co-sign for him, but it just didn't work. <clears throat> and from my understanding, Jenner is from Canada. He's not uh, actually from India. I don't know. I don't know if he has family from India. Um, do you know if he does or not? Uh, I think he does. Yeah, I think I think I think his parents immigrated to Canada before he was born, but I do think he has family there. So, okay, so there is a connection there, but yeah, they just like I said, they 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 if you're if you're gonna do something like that, you got to try to be at least less subtle about it. You know, you you got to start building them up at least seven months in advance. At least seven months. You know, you can't have them losing to Finn Balor in two minutes and then two weeks later he's in the championship match. You know, against one of the top guys in the industry. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, it doesn't. And, you know, those are bits of tokenism. And, you know, man, this next subject I'm going to bring up might be a bit, um, might be a bit thorny. So uh, if, if you don't mind me, don't mind, mate, uh, if, if, if at all possible, if call me on something. If I'm dead wrong here, please do so. Okay. But, all right. Um, there are a few ideas in both the pro wrestling world and the world of comic books that seemed well-intended but were executed so horribly that it just did not work right the first example i'm going to give is in the pro wrestling world and it's of mark henry's world title run that was very well-intentioned the guy deserved it under unquestionably you know he was not just a big player he was there for all the big moments and in, in, in 20 years of pro wrestling he was a very a much better worker than people give him credit for and i Personally, I think he deserved the opportunity to run with, it, run with the ball, see what he could do, but it just did not work. And, you know, he, the feud with Seamus was not great. And then there was the stuff with Big, Big Show and Daniel Bryan which just turned into not Mark Henry's title run. It just turned into when was Daniel Bryan going to cash in? That's what... That's what well, you know, I actually, I actually have to... I kind of have to disagree with you. Because um, I actually... Okay, so... The title run, as you mentioned, I thought it was average, but I, I loved his I loved his ascent to the top. I loved when he destroyed Big Show. Because um, if you remember, um, I think Big Show had attacked Mark Henry, you know, took him out for a couple weeks, and then Mark Henry came back, and then he, had, you know, brutally attacked the Big Show. And then the Big Show made a comment about it, it took it took for me to attack him. For, it took 15 years for him to finally wake up. And I, and I thought that line really hit home because – Mark Henry was always a really big dude, always a really big, physically imposing dude. But a lot of times they got lost in the shuffle because of the gimmicks he was portraying. You know, for so long, you know, we saw him doing, you know, sexual chocolate. We saw him, you know, the the, the angle with Mae Young giving birth to a hand. You know, he was doing a lot of silly stuff, you know, a really a lot of silly stuff, you know. And then to finally see him being presented as this big, you know, big badass, you know, I, I thought it was believable, you know. And so he destroyed the big show and then Seamus turned face and stepped up to him. I actually enjoyed a lot of that. Um, now, with the Daniel Bryan stuff, um, yeah, you know, um, I think Bryan was the face at the time, right? And then that's when he started to slowly turn heel. Yeah. I actually I actually did enjoy that because I thought – so Bryan cashed in on big show after he just beat Mark Henry. And so – I'm I'm thinking to myself, okay, here's another here's another hill turn for the big show. But they didn't go in that they went in a completely different direction. So I thought that was good. Now for Mark Henry, that was very unfortunate, but I never thought that he was gonna get this long, you know, drawn out title run to begin with. You know, I was just happy that he was finally able to win the big one at least once, you know. Um when he when he beat Orton, like 
he looked like a scary dude, man. Like he was very intimidating. You know how I reckon? I think that Mark Henry should have won the world uh, won the world title when um, he did that. The best promo of his life when before you know he was fake faking retirement and then attacked John Cena and yeah. then going for the title. I personally believe that was would have been the best time to strap Mark Henry. I think he would have had it an amazing title run if that had happened because he had all the momentum in the world after that. But then, you know, Super Cena took it all away. So. Well, it would have, but here's the problem, though. Cena Bryan was on the board. Um, it was either Mark Henry or Della Bryan. And, yeah, that's true. You know, Bryan, Bryan, Bryan beating Cena clean at SummerSlam was, would be a bigger deal than Bryan beating Mark Henry, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really what that was about. It wasn't really about Cena – it was really about, okay, well, Denner Bryan, we got this Denner Bryan, he's as hot as ever. You got John Cena, who's, you know, indestructible. Bryan beating him makes him a certified main eventer, a made man, and that's, you know, that's the end of that. Like, there's no going back after that. After you beat Cena clean at a major pay-per-view like that, there's no going back. You're, you're, you're established for life. That's true, but the thing of it is that only happened because Cena was injured. I, think, I think it still would have happened. Um, I mean, I... Because, I mean, they, they had Orton win Money in the Bank. You know, they had Triple H there. I mean, the stars were aligned. I think it was going to happen regardless. Now, I, I don't know what, what role Cena would have played in it had he, you know, had he not gotten hurt or had to go away to get the elbow surgery. But I think they were going to strike Brian regardless. Like, the, re, the reactions were just too strong for him not to. And, and, and you're right. And to be honest, you know, the, the way it went down was to Daniel Bryan and the industry's benefit anyway. So, right. So, because you know, it started the whole yes movement and that couple of really hot years for Brian. Then he had, unfortunately had got injured and went away for a couple of years. And now he's hot again. So it's yeah, I, I, I see your point. I see your point. It's kind of it's kind of like when um, just a couple of years ago when they had the the plan was for Brian the uh, few of Kevin Owens, he was going to come back as a face. But then Kofi just caught lightning in the bottle, and it's like they had to pivot directions. Yeah, agreed. like it, 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 it just couldn't ignore it. You know, um, they just couldn't ignore it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, next thing I'm going to bring up, again, maybe Thorny, please correct me if I'm dead wrong, but um, the Batwoman TV show. No, that's very famous because, you know, the first lead, the first uh, Kate Kane, Batwoman, Ruby Rose, decides to leave the show. So every, everybody thinks, okay, they're just going to recast the character of Kate Kane because yeah. Kate Kane is, you know, a very <laughs> iconic character in the world of comic books and also a very iconic character to the LGBT community. It's like 40 years of history. And then they decide, no, we're going to not do KK and Batwoman. We're going to create an original character and you know, she'll take on the mantle of Batwoman. That already upset a lot of fans uh, before, you know, they went, they announced the casting of Jacevia Leslie and, and the introduction of the Ryan Wilder character. So this seems to be a bit of a storm. Before the second season even premiered, they had the storm of a lot of people were going to stop watching because Ruby Rose wasn't on there because she's a fairly well-known star. A lot of people were going to stop watching because, um, you know, Kate Kane is this iconic character with 40 years of history. So the comic book buffs weren't going to watch the show anymore. So when you introduce this character, this you know, a, a, a black female lesbian character leading a big TV show, superhero TV show, you think it'd have to be perfect, right? Because you already have all these things up against, up against it. Right. 
<clears throat> uh, and this is a very important moment. And the storyline that they introduced, where essentially Kay Kane um, is, they, is presumed dead in the plane crash, and Ryan Wilder just finds the suit on the beach and just chucks it on and becomes Batwoman. They really could have done better. And then, yeah, as, the I, I, show I, I, and then as the show progressed, it became, again, correct me if you think I'm dead wrong here, it became almost like this creepy co-option of Kate Kane's life. You know, she takes over her business. She starts, picks off with the same relationships with the same friends and family. They even tease, you know, um, they even tease her having a relationship with Kate's Kane, Kate Kane's love interest. And then through all that, they then reintroduce a new actress playing Kate Kane and they do the storyline, she's not dead, you know, she lost her memory. And then the, the bad guy finds her and gives her a new face and brainwashes her. The, uh, then Ryan Wilder finds out and Ryan Wilder and her friends cure her. And so you then you have people thinking, okay, uh, Kate Kane fans thinking, okay, so Ryan Wilder's going to give Batwoman back. No, Batwoman stays with Ryan Wilder, which is, I think, makes sense. But problem is, you've gone through all this roundabout stuff in the most convoluted way, in a way that's really creepy. And it just felt like you are self-destructing any chance that this character has of getting over. And that's seemingly what's happened, because the ratings for season two of Batwoman the average was like one quarter of season one. Yeah, I, I honestly haven't been able to catch that show yet, but from what you described, it, they overcomplicated so much of that. Like, it just sounds like a complicated mess. It, it was. And, you know, the fans of the first season are you know, livid. And they did have some good ideas of the show, like, um, you know, because the Ryan Wilder character on its own is actually quite interesting. She's uh, somebody uh, who's a foster kid who knows martial arts, was wrongfully convicted of a crime. Her foster mother was killed by the series' main villain, Alice, which is the original Batwoman sister. So they still have that dynamic there. But, you know, and they do a lot of stuff about like, the um, uh, Black, Lives, uh, Black Lives Matter movement into the show. Uh, they brought up um, all, cop all cops are... B words, I, I can't swear on the podcast, but, you know, and really clever stuff that would work in the context of, no, a, 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 a social commentary, but they had right. all other stuff going on. And, you know, as I said, the Ryan Wilder character was creepily co-opting Kate Kane's life. <laughs> at, at least that's what it, <laughs> what it felt like. You ever, have you ever seen the movie Single White Female? With, uh, no, I've heard, no, I haven't seen that yet. It, this was in the 90s. It was years ago, but essentially... Who's Bridget, in it? Bridget Fonda. Essentially, she's like uh, this um, art, like rich, not rich, but, um, fancy New York girl. She's looking for a roommate, single white female. This girl comes in, she's a crazy stalker, starts dressing like her, starts trying to steal her boyfriend. It's, it was, it's just a really creepy story. <laughs> and honestly, the Ryan Wilder character gave me those vibes. And it sucked because I really, I went into second season really wanting this character to work out. And it just, mm. it, they just blew it big time. No good, huh? Uh, nah, it's, it's been given a third season and Kate Kane character's now gone for good. They've written, and this is the weirdest thing. They've, they're saying they've written the character out for good, 
saying that she's going off to find Bruce Wayne Batman because he's been missing the whole time. But they, that's not really a good reason to ride her out because, you know, all it takes is a phone call for her to bring her back. Right. So you're not really setting up Ryan Wilder even further for success. You're not saying, okay, she's gone forever. This is Batwoman now. When all they can, when if in third season it's still not working, they, should, they can just bring, bring, bring the character back. So you, yourself, yourself, you're sabotaging the Ryan Wilder character even more. Is there going to be a third season? There, it, it got an early renewal before the ratings started okay. to drop off a cliff. But, okay. and, and the thing of it is they know the ratings aren't great because they're bringing back a bunch of Batman villains to try and get, get things right. going. And it's funny. We talked about redheaded characters being cast. They're actually keeping Poison Ivy as a redhead. So. That's good. <laughs> Man, so, you know, there, do you think there is a right way to introduce representation and diversity and a wrong way, or do you think any diversity and representation is a good thing? That's, that's, that's the million dollar question. And that's a good, that's a good question. Um, there, there can be like, you don't want to like, you, you, you never want to stray too far from, from the original content of like the comic books of the origins, just, you know, just to kind of, to kind of cram diversity in there. But if I'm trying to see, like with um, like what they're doing with Catwoman, you know, because that, that actually did happen in the '60s, so it's not it's not that far on base. Um, no, obviously you don't want to like they said the Ninja Turtles, for example. You don't all you don't all of a sudden want to be like, oh, the Ninja Turtles are black because that really that was never a thing. You know, they're turtles. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to, you know, you you there there is a wrong way to do stuff. I mean, there's always a wrong and right way to do stuff. Um, but you, when, when when introducing diversity, you, you you want to present it as. I'm trying to think. What's the? I'm trying to think. Like what I was saying earlier, like it, it, it you, you present it in a way where people are watching it and they don't even really think about it. They're just kind of like they're so in tune. If the story is really that good, then people will tune in no matter what. Like like we've been saying with you know, um, like with. It has to feel natural. Yeah, exactly. It it has to feel natural, and if it feels natural, um, people will people will digest it. They they really will. I mean, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have your knuckleheads out there, you know, obviously. Yeah, that's the sad, yeah, but, but you know, for the most part, though, if you if you can if you can make that natural, you know, trend, you know, progression, you know, and transition, um, people like like uh, Winter Soldier, you know, people exactly. that works. Yeah, yeah that it, it works because, from Steve Rogers to Black uh, to Falcon that worked. Right, because it was explained in Endgame, you exactly. know. It was kind of like this is the passing of the torch, you know. From here, from here on out, you're the, you're the guy. And so when they made the spinoff, you know, nobody nobody questioned it. You know, it, it felt natural. Yeah, and 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 it wasn't just. I think that when they did the passing of the torch in Endgame, I thought the smartest thing they could do in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series was how Falcon think I'm not worthy of this yet, and right. then pass it off. And then at the end of the series, after everything he'd gone through, he felt worthy of it. You know what I mean? That's kind of what they did, that's kind of what they did in the uh, second Spider-Man movie, where he tried to pass it off. <laughs> and then he realized he made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And that's another thing, too. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 it's a weird thing, because like, like you said, it has to feel natural. But at the same time, there are always going to be people that just aren't going to accept it no matter what. Right, right. But, you know, thankfully... Thankfully, in the comic book world, that seems to be the minority. So that's yeah. a good thing. 
and 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 in the pro wrestling world too, that's thank, thankfully becoming a minority as well. I, I think. Right. And please correct me if I'm wrong. If you if you disagree, but I, I feel that's that's happening too now. After right. So, yeah, man. Because at this, please again correct me if I'm wrong. But sometimes I feel like that. Um, not all the time, but very very rarely I feel this way. Sometimes I feel like you know when there's an initial backlash towards you know a changed race casting or you know a, a person of color playing a certain character or whatever i think the people involved when it doesn't work for creative reasons i think sometimes mm-hmm. they, they can not all the time but sometimes they could lean towards playing the race card saying it wasn't the it wasn't the writer's fault it wasn't the director's fault it wasn't my fault as the actor it was the fans fault because they're all racists right like I said, again, not all the time, but I think that does happen on occasion. And mm-hmm. what what do you think? I mean, so do you think do you think it's a thing of you know, like they're playing the race card, or do you think they've just copped so much abuse from that minority that they just they you know you can't blame them for thinking that it is a race issue? Um, you know, sometimes you can't really blame them. Um, you know, because you know, especially you know, in America. You know, we're still deeply rooted in that, and we still haven't really overcome that. You know, obviously, you watch the news, you know, so that so that does exist. Um, what do you say? It says it's the same story in Australia, man. Sadly, yeah, and I know um, um, Brandy Rogues had caught some flack for saying something along those lines uh, a couple months ago about, you know, you guys want representation, but you guys never get behind black wrestlers. Um, she kind of she kind of put that on the fans. You know, and there, there's some truth to that, you know, given, okay. you know, given, given wrestling's history and, and things like that. Um, um, but I, I just hope that uh, for, for, in Brit, for Brandy, you know, hope she understands, you know, the role that she can play in that and how she can really help, you know, elevate, you know, black, black wrestlers, you know, like we're finally seeing with Hobbs, you know, yeah. and, and, and things like that, you know, because she's in a position, she's in a position of power where, she can get in Tony's ear and be like, hey, you know, we need to do a better job of pushing, you know, black wrestlers or, or Hispanic wrestlers or, you know, or whatever, because you're in the position, you're married to Cody, you know, you have, you have say so, you know, and from everything I've, I've been told about AEW, Tony does listen, he will take things into consideration. Um, he seems, you know, pretty fairly progressive. So, you know, if I know Brandy wants to pass it off in the fans and, you know, a lot of, there's some troops to that, but it also, like I said, she needs to look, look at herself and be like, okay, what can I do? What, what what can I do to bridge this gap? Yeah, true. And, you know, I know this is a pop, popular subject on uh, your Facebook group. That's what we do. Don't sorry, don't plug your stuff. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's it, AEW gets a lot of flack because when they first started, we're going to be the most diverse and representative pro wrestling company mm-hmm. around. Most of the champions have been white and uh, they haven't done a great job. Like, the fact that private party hasn't had a tag team run yet. Is- yeah. You know, and I don't, right. You know, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think Tony's a racist or I don't think none of that, you know, I, like I said, they, they brought in, you know, they brought in punk, they brought in Brian, they brought in Cole, uh, maybe Bray's coming in next. So, you know, they're, they're really, they're really trying to still figure things out themselves as much success as they've had these first, you know, couple of years, they're, they're still trying to figure some things out as well. Um, like I said, it looks like they're finally starting to push Hobbs. I don't think he's gonna. He's not going over CM Punk on on Friday. That's not happening. No. But if he has, a, but if he has a strong showing, you can you can go from there. You know, hopefully get him out of Team Taz because I'm just I'm over Team I'm, I'm over Taz as a manager. Put him back in commentary. He's good at he's he's a very he's very good on commentary. But as manager, yeah. I'm I'm not feeling it. You know. Yeah. 
um, you know, and um, there's the, the the other lady. I forgot her name already. Um, drawn a blank. Dyes of hair blonde. They're they're, they're trying. Yeah, they're trying to push her. But okay, so that's okay. So as you were just saying about how sometimes you can push diversity in the wrong way. Unfortunately, I think that it it may backfire on AW with her because I don't think she's really ready yet. Um, she's very green in the ring, very beautiful. Um, very athletic, you know. You don't see women like that every day with that with that kind of build, you know. Um, very reminiscent of Bianca, maybe too reminiscent of Bianca, you know. Um, she needs to kind of figure out her, her own identity, so that may backfire on them. Um, but I think with Hobbs, I, I think Hobbs is a guy that you can definitely get behind, like easily. Like he, you know, he's he's got the look, you know, he's got charisma. I mean, you you got to go with that, you know. True. I'd say Hobbs becoming the TNT champion uh, by this time next year. Personally, I think I think that's definitely in the cards for him. Like I think private parties should have a world tag world title a tag title run. I think it's an absolute crime that they have that has not happened yet. Right. Um. To be to be honest, I think they've done pretty well by Latino wrestlers and certainly by Japanese wrestlers. At, at, at this yeah, I, I agree with that, especially the Lucha Bros. I mean, that, that match they have the Young Bucks was, was amazing. Um, and somehow that got overshadowed because of Punk, you know, because of Brian and Cole debuting. But that that was probably okay. So I'm, okay, so remember the match that Hangman and uh, Omega had with the Young Bucks a few years ago? Yeah, it might it might have topped that. I don't. Man, it's a tough one. It, it, it was up there, though. Yeah. What, it, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I re- I think it just surpassed that. To be honest with you, I think that I think that match, that cage match, just surpassed that match you were talking about with Green Bucks, commanding uh, Omega and Page. I I think it just surpassed it. Both are unbelievable matches, but I think it just surpassed it. I think the best women's match that they've had thus far was Britt Baker versus um, Thunder Rosa in that uh, Lights Out match when they both oh man beat the tar out of each other and they got they they got color. It was such an amazing match. <laughs> Excuse me. And, you know. Yeah. It, it's so crazy because Britt Baker became a, a bona fide star after that. And Thunder Rose is still kind of just floating around. It's, it's crazy how that happened. And, she, and Thunder Rose is the one who won the match. But Britt yeah. Baker came on as a much bigger star afterwards. Agreed. I think, I think, I believe after Ruby saw, I thought Thunder Rosa was going to win the Casino Battle Raw because I know she's next in line for the title shot. I know that's set in stone. But I, I, I thought she was going to win the Casino Battle Raw, but I understood why they went with Ruby Soho because she was the big debuting female star. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. But I don't think Ruby Soho is going to be the yeah. one to take the title of Baker. I think, that's going to, I think the plan is still Rosa. I think that's going to happen probably the next pay-per-view, full year. So and then after that... I'm pretty sure Jay Cargill was next in line. But you're right, that could backfire. So, Yeah, honestly, they should be pushing Big Swole in that spot right now, I think. Because I think Big Swole is more charismatic, and I think she's one of the few women on the roster that can keep up with Britt Baker and, you know, in the, you know, in the uh, charisma in the mic department. Yeah, I agree. But the problem is she's, she, she quite often has to take time off because of the Crohn's. She gets, she, gets Crohn, she gets bouts of Crohn's disease. And she and she winds up being off TV for about two three weeks at a time. So that that's that's the problem. Sadly, I th- I think if it weren't for that, yeah. she probably would be the champion already. Yeah. That's, that's that's the you know that's the sad fact of it. Unfortunately, You're right. But you know they've just signed Kira Hogan. Yeah, I can see Kira Kira Hogan becoming a AD Women's World Women's Champion at some point. So. You're right. So they have the talents there. They're just not doing anything with them yet. 
for a lot of yeah. Them. There's that's that's probably that's easily the you know the big been the downfall. Of it. Well, not the downfall, but the the weak link of AW so far is the women's division. Um, I guess you got Britt Baker, bona fide star. I mean, you can you can put her next to Charlotte or Sasha and Bailey and you know um, you know Becky and she's she's right up there. You know, but they need they need to figure out everybody else as well, what what, what their places in it because right now it's it's the it's the Britt Baker show. And nobody comes close to her right now in AEW. No, I I think Thunder Rosa. If you told me about a month ago, I would have said Thunder Rosa's up there as well. But you're right; she's had a bit of a downward slide. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But like I said, they're going to start building her up again. So, man, I don't know. It, like I said, it's a work in progress. You know, their yeah. women's division and their you know efforts with diversity and representation. It is a work in progress, but I think they are trying to get better. So, right. It's probably the one thing WWE has over AEW right now because WWE has zero momentum on their side for the most part because AEW has been so hot shot the last couple of weeks, uh, which is, part, part, like I said, you, I, I don't think this is the case, but as you said, they may have strapped Big E on Raw because of you know everything going on on the other side. So I thought, okay, we need some big moments here to get momentum back up. But... I don't, know, I don't know, man. Like, like I said, I think representation and diversity-wise, WWE does have the edge over AEW. And you know me, I don't give WWE credit over anything. So this is big for me to say. Yeah, like it's, it's one of those things, like I said, it kind of happened. Like, a lot of it started at NXT as well. Like I said, there was a New Day, you know, on the main roster. But then you had, you know, what Bailey and Sasha were able to do, not only just for women, but like I said, you know, you know, had Hispanic and you know, and a black woman going out there and, and having a five star match. You know, that was a really big deal. You know, that was really, you know, you had, okay. So we had Paige and Emma. They kind of laid the foundation down, and then Paige and Sasha came along. Not Paige and Sasha, but uh, Sasha and Bailey came along, and they just kind of blew, blew the door open. You know, agreed. Agreed. I mean, those matches between Sa- uh, uh, Sasha and Bailey and NXT were some of the best women's matches I've ever seen. So. Yeah, they they were incredible, you know. And you know, I got to give Triple H credit, you know, for as much crap as he got for some of the stuff he did throughout his career. I thought he's really he's he's really done a great job of uh, rebranding himself, you know, you know, to fans, you know, and and showing what he can do and how selfish he can be sometimes. Yeah, and sadly, that's all been taken away from him while he's had a heart attack. Poor bugger. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know I don't know what the deal is with that or or how long he's gonna be out for, but I, I wish him the best, man. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't know what caused that or, you know, I don't want to draw any conclusions or anything, but I just hope he gets better. You know, it, being a wrestler, especially from the era that he came up in, it, it's, yeah. it's tough, man. It's, it's really tough. Agreed. There was a lot of, there was a lot of, there were a lot of substances going around in those days. So if he ever, it wouldn't surprise me if he part, part, partook, but maybe, maybe yeah. he didn't. And it's just uh, a congenital thing that wasn't diagnosed. At least that's the story that they're telling, that it wasn't anything to do with that. It was just a congenital heart fail, a heart defect that uh, he didn't know he had, which seems yeah. hard to believe since he wrestled for 25 years without mm-hmm. finding that out and probably had a million uh, doctor's checks. But who knows? Right. Maybe they could have missed it. Stranger things have happened. Right. Either that or he knew about it and he just didn't deal with it. You know, that happens sometimes, too, with people, you know. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, well, Matt, yeah. who knows, man. Anyway, like I said, best luck to Triple H. And now we'll, we'll probably cover, you know, what's happening with NXT on another day, NXT 2.0, because that's, oof, I, I think that's going to end very badly at, at some point. But, you know, what? <laughs> that's probably a subject for another podcast. 
Andre, thank you so much for uh, coming on this program to talk about, you know, this subject that I've wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to make sure I did this right. I can't be talking about this myself. That's why I needed you here, buddy. So I want to thank you for coming. Oh, man. Thanks, for, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we delved into the subject pretty well. I don't think anybody's going to be too upset with us. So. <laughs> but you never know these days. Uh, no, I was going to make a Tommy Dremmer joke, but I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he 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 doesn't need any help burying himself. He's he's somehow he's more in trouble than Ric Flair is, and Flair's the one who's the one who did something, you know. But well, it's 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 what's 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 that saying? There's a uh, special place in hell for people who uh, condone other people's you know stuff. What, right. what 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 whatever that saying is. I mean, and he wasn't, and he was, and you know, and he you know he victim shamed, he victim blamed, and. I'm just thinking, this is a man with two adult daughters. How would he feel if Ric Flair did that to one of them? Holy cow. Right. You know, all, all Dreamer had to say about the whole thing was either don't go on the show at all or just say, man, you know what? The Ric Flair I know now wouldn't do something like that. Um, you know, I hope Ric Flair has grown as a person, you know, since then. I mean, that's all he had to say. Just all he had to say. And, and, and nothing would have happened. But, man, he just went. Like he, it, it's like he, he, he got the knife and he stabbed himself in the back of it. No, no, man. That was just well. He's paying the price for it now. He's been suspended from Impact, and yeah, and and Rick Flair's paying. Rick Flair's paying financially, to, so to speak, because you no, know, I think that's this has killed his chances of being Andrade's manager in AEW, and it's killed that uh, deal with those uh, car insurance commercials that he had going too. They're, they're no longer airing, and he's no longer going to be in anymore. So, yeah, man, Rick Flair, arguably the greatest wrestler ever. I feel like he's never really grown as a person. No. Like, he still makes a lot of the same mistakes at 70-something that he made in his 20s. Like, you know, like, who gets married seven times? You know, like, after the second after the second marriage, you would think you, you would do some self-reflecting. Like, maybe maybe I'm not good at being a husband. Maybe I need to do some soul-searching. What is it that I'm doing wrong? But then you get, there's the third and fourth and fifth time, and it's like he's never stopped and thought to himself, what am I doing wrong? Like, that's, it's never happened. It's never occurred to him that maybe he's the problem. I think he's the like, living, literal definition of living the gimmick. He's, yeah, like I'm, he doesn't know how to be a real human being. He just knows how to be a pro wrestler. So, right, right. And, I, and I'm, it, it goes back to I, I made a post about this wrestling prior to 2010. Oh, we man, the stories that you hear, you know, are just man, like, like, like to me, like, how does it even happen? Like the plane, like, like Lesnar and Perfect almost breaking the door open. Like that could have been yeah. it. That the whole main event scene could have been dead right there. Exactly. It's crazy, madness, absolute madness. These are these are these are grown adults. These are grown adults grown doing this acting, stuff. Grown men acting like twelve-year-olds, basically, on a plane thirty thousand feet in the air in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Right. I'm just like like nobody stopped and said to themselves, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we shouldn't act like this." And whose idea was it to have open bar on the plane anyway? That that was a very bad idea. Well, that was that was the airlines thing. It was a fancy airline that ferries um, athletes around the world. That's that's it was a private charter airline, and apparently that's what they do. They have a plentiful supply of alcohol on the plane, and uh, during a seven-hour wait, they lick, kept liquoring them up, and they didn't think maybe we should stop giving them alcohol. <laughs> and don't they ever have like security on these planes or somebody with a gun that can they can restore order? I mean, I'd, it, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, well, like I said, it's a private charter plane. They probably don't even have. They probably didn't even have an air marshal on there. So, wow, it's just crazy. Like I just, you know, every time I heard the story, it kind of came off as comical because I remember I think Flair did a cartoon. 
Yeah, but yeah. he almost made it, he almost made it seem like they were like bullying participants, like they wanted to touch it or whatever. But after watching this, man, I'm just like, oh, like I feel so bad for the stewardess, man. Like to have to go through that, that that had to be traumatizing. You're seeing a fight where they got where they almost break open the uh, you know break open the door, you know, and then you got Scott Hall grabbing you, and then you got you know Ruth Flair coming up to you, making him touch. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Goldust singing over the intercom, and and I'm just like, wow. And all this happened on one plane. I'm just like, that. that's insane. Like, I would have I been terrified. Yeah, man, that's, it's, it's not, it's, it's no good at all, man. And thankfully, you know, we talk about progress with representation and, and, and diversity. I think progress has been made on, on those areas too, with obviously with substance abuse, with the way women are treated in the industry. Thankfully, that's changed over the last 20 years. Probably still not to the level it should be, but... Right. It's thankfully it has changed. So yeah, it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot better than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, man. Even um, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see this episode. I want to see the Sid Arn Anderson episode. I don't know if Darkseid's ever done that yet, but I'm sure that's coming. Yeah, I'd imagine that's coming at some point. Yeah, man. Well, they have a bunch of stuff that's probably going to come out in the next few years, mate. They're never going to run out of material. So. Oh yeah, it's, but yeah, wrestling. Like I said, man, and that's why people view. Like outsiders debut wrestling as a carny act. You know, a lot of them don't mess with wrestling because of stuff like that. Yeah. You know, these guys come off as, you know, meatheads and, you know, loaded up as steroids. And it's hard to blame them for viewing wrestling like that, especially, especially you know, back then, you know. And that reputation, unfortunately, that, that reputation, you know, that reputation is carried over, even though it's not like that no more. But it's, it's, it's hard to shake that loose, though. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, if if that if wrestling's reputation amongst non wrestling fans will ever change, it probably won't be for a very long time. Sadly, so. yeah. Well, I think we've covered just about everything that needs to be covered. We trailed off to Dark Side of the Ring, which is another thing we could do a podcast on. But you know what? I'm very proud of this episode. I think we talked about some things that needed to be discussed, and we put a positive spin on everything. So, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, you know. If you have any complaints, I'm sure you will. Just send them over to at uh, SpandexPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you know, my man Andre, he's on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. Want to give them your handles? Or? So Facebook, it should be easy to find me. Just type in Andre Holly II. Um, I'm on Facebook all the time. Uh, Twitter, not so much, but the same thing. Just type in Andre Holly II or um, is black, you know, and that should pop up there. Um, but yeah, no- normally you'll find, me, you'll find me on Facebook a lot more, you know, than, than Twitter. So check me out on Facebook. Yep, cool. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Too sweet us. Catch us next fortnight on Storytelling in Spandex. Thank you very much for listening.